Welcome to your Sprinkle with Hope podcast. The purpose of our podcast is to spread hope, light, and love. It is important for us to be engaged in this work so we can help motivate, uplift, and inspire you. Whether it is listening to us or hearing one of our amazing guests, our hope is that what you hear encourages you, strengthens you, and helps you discover additional tools to create a better life for yourself. Share this with family and friends, leave us a review or rating, and know that each small action you take to spread this message is appreciated. Subscribe to our podcast or YouTube channel so you don't miss anything. Welcome to the Sprinkled with Hope podcast. Welcome to your Sprinkle with Hope podcast and your host, Jason. And today we have Fatima Oliver with us today. Super, super cool lady. And I hope that you guys get something out of this episode today. But she she uh, came out with a memoir that was titled The Prescription is in the Dirt. And in that journey that she was writing this memoir, she came up with three key foundations. And I wanted to share those with you. And then we'll just kind of talk about them. So the first one is everyone needs a safe place to fall. Um, number two, a victim mentality must change to a victor mindset. And then the third one, it is okay to not be okay, but it is not okay to remain that way. And so I just wanted to kind of talk about those three items and, and just have a, have a really good conversation today. So thanks for joining us. No, oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So let's just kind of break down these these questions that you have. So everyone needs a safe place to fall. What do you kind of mean by that? And what 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 a so we all need a safe place to fall. What is yeah. that? What do we grab well, from that? I would definitely say that the the uh, first off, so these points came from my own personal experience, um, crawling through life, crawling gotcha. through trauma and tragedy and um, horrible decision making. Um, and, and I learned that these were vital for my own sanity, honestly, to be able to get healing and um, have a, a safe circle to be able to work through my healing, my own personal healing journey. So having a safe place to fall, that was very important to me because that meant being able to be my authentic, true self, whatever that looked like. So if I was going through a crisis, I felt like I was going through a midlife crisis. If I wanted to um, uh, key somebody's car, whatever my situation was at that moment, my emotional state, the safe place allows me to, to show that. And, and, and the safe place helps me to process those emotions and those feelings and come back to a healthier place. And so um, I grew up with all boys, like I, I grew up with having five brothers, I'm the only girl, and it was difficult feeling like I had somebody to talk to, because we were right. so different, like from the door, we were different, right? right. <laughs> And so I learned, um, and, I, and I grew up in a space where it was a single parent and my mom, she was very tough and she had to be, there wasn't a lot of room for emotional connection or processing. So I internalized a lot of things the, the the problem with internalizing is that nobody knows that you're hurting. Nobody knows that you're in pain, right? Nobody knows that you're going through what you're going through. And so a safe place allows for that room for you to get all of that stuff out and they love you anyway. 
And, and so for me, when I really got to a place in my life where I felt like I truly was um, going through a space where I, I, I had suicidal ideation, I, I really could tell you how I was going to end my life. Everything seemed to be wonderful in my life, but I really wanted to just end my life. And it was because of my safe place, a group of people that I had grown to trust over the years, it was because of them that I was able to get help because I was able to desperately tell them, this is where I really am in my life. You ask me, I'm going to tell you, right? Mm -hmm. and, and from there, they didn't say, oh my God, sucks to be you. Good luck with that. They didn't do that. Instead, they, they met me where I was at. I was on the ground. Mm -hmm. They came down to the ground too, but then they helped me to get up. And that is what a safe place does. A lot of times a safe place um, is not always your family. My safe place, as much as I love my husband, he was not a part of that in this regard. I needed people that truly, truly understood the space that I was in. Um, and, and unfortunately, I was afraid that I would freak him out. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, so for, for that specific area of my life, he, he couldn't be a part of that safe place. But when I started going to therapy and when I started pro, um, doing programs that would help me interpersonally, I was able to bring him in and he was the best supporter. And so in that space, he was my safe place. So your safe place may change. It just depends on what you're going through. Sometimes a safe place will be a therapist. Sometimes you have to pay for a safe place because um, your support system, you don't have one where you're at. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a safe place will be a teacher at school. Sometimes it's somebody that you work with. You'll be surprised who, who those people can be to help support you and guide you um, through awful times, but also when you want to be celebrated and you don't have an audience that will come and tell you, good job. That was awesome. You did great. You tried your best. Your safe places for that as well. So when I was going through the most tough part, tough, uh, toughest parts of my life in my, in my older season of life, <laughs> um, I, I really, really, um, truly learned to appreciate having these people around me and feeling safe enough to be at my worst. And yet they were still there and they still poured into me and loved me and helped me and supported me to become my best. I love that insight. I, I agree. I think we all need that support system. And it, like you said, it could be our family, our friends and therapists, people we might not even know. Um, I think the second one was about a mindset that you, there's some yes. the mindset. Mentality. Yeah, your mentality. So let's talk about that. What what is that? So I grew up in a space where I've, I've had a lot of tragedy and trauma growing up and throughout my life. I have 25% um, burns on my body. And, and so they're primarily on my feet and my legs. And so I've grown up with people staring at me or talking mm. to me, but looking at my feet and, and just the cruelty of honestly adults more so than children mm -hmm. um, right. towards me because of the disfigurement that I have. Um, I was, um, I'm a victim of child abuse. My stepfather abused me and my older brother for sport. I'm a victim of sexual abuse. My second step stepfather sexually abused me. I am the um, face of a mother who has lost a child. I lost a child, uh, my first child. I lost. Um, so I've had a lot of horrible things happen to me in my life. And if I wanted to sit in that, I could, right. I could rightfully, I rightfully could, because the things that I've, I've said, they truly did happen to me. None of those things were my fault. The second point, as far as a victim mindset, 
must change to a victor mindset in order for you to be able to heal and to move forward in your life and not be stuck in life emotionally. It comes with those things as an example of what I've gone through, but saying I will not allow those things to depict the type of person that I'm going to be. I won't allow the self-worth that I felt going through these things, allow that to be my narrative for the rest of my life. I'm going to use these things as a platform and not in a bitter way, not in a way to say, see, I told you I could do it. Take that. <laughs> right. 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 Yep. Because that is so easy to do. They say the best revenge is to live your best life, but then it's revenge. So how is that even good? You know, <laughs> I mean, it's revenge though. You're not really doing it for yourself. You're doing it so that you can say, there you go. You should have kept me, you know? <laughs> so, so ultimately that's not really the best way to go about life. I'm in a space of revenge and your success is hinged on revenge. So you use these things that have happened in your life that are horrible things that, that may have happened in your life, but you use them as a platform to say, you know what, everything, all of these things should say, I should never make, make it to be anything, right? All these things that have happened to me, I should be that percent that they talk about that is on the government assistance and, and nobody loves me and on drugs and all these horrible things that they that, that society would say I should belong to because of what I've experienced. But I'm going to change that narrative because I control my destiny and I'm yeah. going to make my dream. What is my goal? What is my dream? I'm going to do whatever is necessary to reach my self-actualization. And I will not allow the things that have happened to me to depict whether I can do that or not. So that's what I mean when I say self-victimization because we can sit in it. And if we can, if we sit in it for a time period, that's okay. You know, uh, we should feel that, you know, the pain that, that we've experienced and process it. But after so long, it's self-victimization. You're using that as a reason to stay right where you are. And a lot of times we blame other people, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of looking internally and saying, but you control your destiny. And, and so that's what that point is really trying to drive home that we control our destiny. We have a choice to say what is going to hold us down and what is not going to hold us down. And, and, and I think that's very important when you're walking through a healing journey because it is not easy. And you really have to be able to pick yourself up from your bootstraps and say, but I'm going to keep moving forward. That's awesome. This is such good stuff that you're saying. And I, I really hope that, that people are listening to this because it's so good. And it's so uplifting what you're saying that, that we can very easily say, yep, we're, you know, I've had these bad things happen and I'm just going to stay in this place and I'm good with that and, and, and be okay there. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. kind of leads us to that third point, which is it's okay to not be okay, but then staying there. Right. We, we don't want to stay in that spot. Yeah. And, and you know what, sometimes feeling bad can become so comfortable. I, I, it's like, it can be like an old chair that you have broken in, you know, it's got that old school memory foam. Forget that new school stuff. Yeah. That's been all right. We don't need that new stuff. When we sit in it, it knows the curves of our body, right? And we know that it's worn out and we know that truly we could afford a new chair and we really could get rid of it, but it feels so comfortable. Mm. And sometimes that's what pain feels like pain because we've lived it and we've experienced it so much in our life that it becomes so comfortable. It becomes so normal and so regular for us. And so what I'm saying is to challenge that. And, and I'm stating, 
it's okay to not be okay in whatever situation that you're experiencing, whatever hardship that you're going through, whatever anger that you're feeling, it's okay to feel that. It's important to process it. It's important to not say, oh, I'm good, I'm good, when you're not good. You really do need to be able to say, no, I'm not good. No, that wasn't okay. Yes, I am angry, but, but it's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to sit in it like you're in an old chair that you know you need to discard when there is so much more that you could get if you made up your mind that, yes, that hurt, that was painful, but what is the lesson that I can learn from it? Because you can learn lessons from your enemy. <laughs> I've done it. So, you know, like you, you would tell yourself, well, I'll never do that again. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. So you can learn from anybody. And so in that last point, it is basically just a reminder to learn as much as you can from every experience that you've been through. And yes, process the pain, process the emotion that you're experiencing, but then get up and move forward. You are not destined to sit in 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 agony. You are not destined to sit in anguish. Get your butt up and figure out a plan to move forward. Yeah, love this insight. Uh, Again, thank you for sharing those things that you've gone through. I did not know that you had burns on your body when the in the research that I've done on you. So thanks for sharing that. If I can ask, because (laughs) uh, a lot of adults unfortunately are are judgmental and they pass that judgment. So I'm curious, how do you mentally stay sharp with that going on? Well, it, well, okay. I've had a, I've I've had a long, I've had a lot of years. (laughs) I've had a lot of years to learn, to learn that. Um, when I was two, um, I, I got burned. It was an accident that occurred and um, my brother ran the bath water for me and it, and the hot water heater spit out all hot water and mm. you know and it, and it just happened it was a it was an accident and so from yeah from the age of two I had to learn how to eat walk and talk again and and had to go to school you know being different and so my entire life has been me being different and me understanding that if I wear certain things that I'm going to be stared at it's going to happen and when I was around 19, by the, by the time I hit 19, 20, I really remember being so angry about being burned and, and being in public with them exposed. I would get so livid when I would see people um, talking to me, but staring at my feet mm-hmm. or just people uh, from afar staring. And um, I, I don't want to go too far into it, but I really, I met somebody years back, like a decade or so back. Um, I, I met somebody who had a horrible accident. They were in the military and uh, a grenade went off in their hand and their entire platoon was killed and the half of their face was burned. Wow. And I got to hear them speak and I got to experience their joy and I got to experience their exuberance from the inside out. And it really kind of gut checked me. And it was mm-hmm. like, Fatima, you can hide your scars. This person can't hide their scars. Every time somebody sees them, they see the burns on the side of their face. How much strength does it take to still um, see that other person as human when you know that they're staring at your scars? Like how much, think about how much strength that takes for somebody. And I just made up in my mind that I didn't want my burns to stop me from being that type of a person. And so that meant I had to change my outlook. I had to accept the fact that I will be stared at. 
and that a lot of people stare because it's different, not because it's disgusting. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. I, I like to people watch. <laughs> right? yeah. I scare people all the time right? and process. Why did they wear that out? <laughs> I mean, all of that, right? We stare all the time, but I had to, I had to teach my brain a new way to think, you know, I had to change my mindset. And so that's what I decided to do. And so over the years, I learned to change my mindset, but also I learned to give myself the freedoms that other people have. And so um, I, I, I was very afraid to wear shorts and, and I didn't like to wear sandals and I didn't like to wear bathing suits and I, and, and I would never go to get a pedicure, do those things that women do. I had to give myself permission to do that. Mm-hmm. And it was petrifying, but I did it the first time. And then I learned to go to just one place. And if they treated me like I felt like they treated everybody else, and that's the place that I would go. So I put safety measures around myself Mm -hmm. so that I wouldn't feel horrible about the experience. But those are the things that I did. I gave myself permission to live, even though there was something that was different about me. And when I made that decision within myself, it's just, I just kind of took it more lightly. So now when people stare, I use it as an opportunity to tell them what happened. You know, especially kids, I try to teach them it's okay to ask. And so when I see a child staring, I'll say, you're looking at my feet, I know, right? And then I'll start the conversation. And so I really try to live my life as that that way. And even when I go to the, go get my feet pedicured, there's other women and they do stare. And in that, I look at it as a way to witness to them my strength. So yep. it's all about your mindset. It truly is about your mindset. It did not change for me. The anger did not leave until I shifted my mindset. I love what you were saying. And as you were kind of talking, um, I, I was thinking about, uh, you know, scars that are on the inside, right? That, that those oh, pains yeah. that we have on the inside. And you were saying, you know, some people have those scars and they're very visible and you can see that they're struggling. Yeah. How, how would you relate those, you know, back to kind of the mental side of things where yeah. people might be struggling internally and outward, they look, great and they look happy and they look fine but they're just a mess right yes I call that a poised mess (laughs) (laughs) poised mess because I said that's what my life was it was a poised mess I mean I knew how to dress up my mess I knew how to dress it do you hear me I I, the, the outfits the hair the everything you know nobody could sniff out mess I I had it together but on the inside there was so much pain on the inside like I said I literally was contemplating ending my life and I have children and I have a husband and I have a successful career but I all I was thinking dreaming sleeping waking up and thinking about was how can I end my life and um and it wasn't about uh, my life would be better off without their life would be better off without me it was never that it was, I'm in so much pain and I just want the pain to stop. That's what it was. And it was because of years of trauma and, and things that had happened to in my life, tragedies that I had never um, revisited and processed. And so um, I would agree, it is definitely easier to hide that pain, but only for so long, only yeah. for so long. It comes out in other ways. It comes out the chick that's at the restaurant at the fast food restaurant flipping out because she didn't get her fries. That's pain. Mm. It now looks good, I guess, on, on camera when the people are videotaping and you're like, oh my God. But truly there is pain inside that person that she just has not dealt with. And so it comes out 
um, on everybody else that she loves. And that was me. I said, I lived on simmer. And that meant mm. that you never knew what was going to set me off. And my children experienced that person. And my husband experienced that person. And I used coping habits like shopping. And, and so it wasn't just that fun shopping. Oh my God, carefree shopping. Like we see played on commercials. It was, it was a soother, like a pacifier. So when I felt riled up, I would shop. It didn't matter if I was buying groceries or stuff for school for the kids. It soothed me. That was my way to, to get comfort for my pain. And it wasn't until I made the decision, which is something we all have to do. It wasn't until I made the decision that I no longer wanted to live that way, that it was exhausting trying to hide the pain, that I started to see the steps to change. And that I started to figure out what worked for me to send me down a, a, a journey of healing, of self-healing. Um, it, 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 we can hide our pain. We all have things that we don't want people to know about ourselves. But the only thing that we're doing is um, hurting ourselves ultimately. We're stopping ourselves from the success and just the journey that we are meant to go on. Our own personal individual journey. Sure, we can have a lot of fun ex experiences, but if we do not deal with those things that ultimately are on our back, like a backpack full of bricks that we carry in every situation that we go in, and I mean our jobs, we carry it in our relationships, we carry it to, you know, with our kids, everything, it impacts everything. If we don't deal with that, the stuff that nobody sees, if we do not deal with that brick by brick, the only person that we are ultimately hurting in ourselves is ourselves because there's only so much a person's going to deal with mm -hmm. and food for thought or reality check. The folks that are around us, they already know that we got issues. They already know <laughs> they're just waiting on us to accept it and work to change it. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's only so much people will take. And so you start to see people fall off and you start to lose friends and you start to have disconnections with your children and you wonder why they don't call you as much or why your phone calls always go to voicemail. Just all these things that happen because of something that's going on on the inside of you that you have deflected on other people. So we can hide it. It's definitely easier to hide those scars that are inside of us, but ultimately it deteriorates us from the inside out. Yeah. So good. So, so excited about this discussion that we're having and that you're opening up to us and our listeners really fantastic insight that you have. And uh, I, I think often when we go through tough things like you have, but we open our mouths and our lives, then that's when we can help uh, build the world up and make it a better place. So really, truly thank you for that. You're so welcome. I, number one, my, my, my husband said, you, you just love to talk, don't you? Which is true. <laughs> <laughs> And so being able to um, talk in these type of formats, he was like, thank you, God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my God, you gave me relief. <laughs> well, it took 11 years, but you did it. <laughs> right? But wow. no, I, I truly believe, and, and, um, and maybe that's just my spirituality and where I um, um, was centralized. It was that it was looked at as a testimony and that you speak of those things that you went through, but that you overcame and that they were looked at as testimonies. But I can also say that over the years, I've seen testimonies get watered down. And so now we live in a space where we want to look perfect all the time. 
and we probably did back then too. But um, but but I think even more so now, we want to always look perfect, even when we're upset. I mean, have you ever seen a pretty cry, like a real cry, and it's pretty? It's like they don't even go together, right? <laughs> right, right. It's just like I've seen people take pictures of themselves on Instagram and stuff or social media, and they're saying, "I'm having a bad day and I'm crying." If you can, if you can get yourself on camera crying, you're not having a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that when they're really going through? Like, seriously, you say, but let me stop and get this picture so I can put it on social media. <laughs> right. It's not real. Yeah. <laughs> right? yep. It's so not real. And so nowadays we have gotten into this space of watering down our, our genuineness, our truth. Mm. And when I decided to write my book, I went through that space where I'm about to be real honest. And if I can be, if I can be real honest, when I started writing, it really wasn't. Um, I hadn't thought about the fact that people are actually going to read this. I just thought I'm writing a book and I was so focused on getting the story out. I just wanted to get the story out. And it was a story that I had been telling myself for years. Everybody has a story. This was just my story. So it came out so easily when it came down to publishing is when it clicked like Fatima, people are going to read this stuff that you wrote. And that's when I got scared. I really got scared. Yeah. I got scared for what my friends were going to think because um, by all intents and purposes, they thought they knew me, right? But mm -hmm. they really knew what I allowed them to know. Yeah. And, they and, and they really thought they knew a lot depth about me, but there are some things they never knew because that's that inward pain that I hid. And I was scared because the things that I needed to say, that it was going to offend people. And, and so the question was posed to me, do I want freedom? Or do I want to be loyal to dysfunction? Mm. And I cried when I said, yes, I want freedom. And I was petrified when I hit the button to send it and for it to get published. But the after the results of it has been so rewarding because I am standing in my truth, whether it made people uncomfortable, whether it made people say, I can't be associated because you told this story that was never supposed to be told. None of that is a factor. It, it does not weigh as much as the mm. gratitude and the, the responses that I have gotten about what you were saying, being so raw, honest, and tangible, because that's what we are all looking for. We, we act, we put out there, and it's, it's funny, because we put out to the world um, our best perfection, but we want people to be honest. Right. <laughs> it's just like, but, we're, but some, but a lot of times what we put out there is not honest, but we right. want people to be honest with us. We want that raw, tangible touching. Oh my God, I've experienced that. We want that connection with somebody. And so I'm so grateful that I was um, pushed in a way to, to share my story, uh, but, it, but it, it didn't come easy. I had to walk through it first, but being able to share it and, and open up the door to that raw truth. Um, because it has allowed me to talk to a lot of other people who are doing the same thing. Yeah, that's so good. This has been such an awesome discussion. And I really like that, that you've been able to open up and be vulnerable and talk about some of these difficult challenges that you've been faced with. And, and, you know, Fatima, you're worth it. You have value. You are needed. You're loved. And the world needs more people with light and love like you have to, to share to everybody. So so thank you for sharing that with us. Thank so, you so, so near the end of our uh, podcast recordings, we always like to do this thing that we call the double down dose. 
And so it's two questions. I ask one and then Shane will ask a follow-up to that. But what is your definition of hope? Oh, wow. Can I be honest, honest? Yes. (laughs) My definition of hope is my faith. And that is, I am a Christian and I try to live my life Christ-centered. And that is my definition of hope, that whenever I am reaching up for hope out of a desolate situation, I'm reaching up to my faith. I'm reaching up for that, um, that spiritual connection to ground me, to let me know that things are going to be okay. I don't think, I know without a doubt, I would not be who I am and I would not be where I am. I wouldn't have been able to make it through any of the things that I've made it through without some sort of glimmer of hope. And that hope came from my spiritual walk. Love it. That's so beautiful. So the second part of the double down dose is simply, how would you define love? Oh, <laughs> ah, um, love. I mean, it sounds cheesy, but I would say that pretty much the same thing. Um, because for me that, um, and, and again, that's just me and my context Uh, for me, Jesus is the epitome of love and forgiveness and, um, and the sacrifices that was made, but the path that has been laid for me to be able to follow for my own personal life. I just view that as the hugest form of love yet. I am supposed to take that same love because love is an action word. And I'm supposed to take that same action and show it to other people. And, and that is when love is actually being acted out. It is being honest and, and pure in your truth. So not being necessarily, nothing has ever happened to me and I'm perfect, but pure in your truth and being able to share that with somebody. I think that's the biggest form of saying that you love somebody is being so honest and intimate with somebody with your words and sharing your heart. And, and so all of that encompassed to me is the epitome of love love it this has been a fascinating discussion so again thank you so much for really opening up and sharing those lessons that you've learned with us and our listeners fascinating stuff and really i've taken a lot from this discussion so fatima thank you so much for your time today oh you're so welcome thank you for having me it it was it was fun (laughs) yeah thank you it it has been awesome so how how do people get in touch with you or your book or those kinds of things so my book actually the one that you mentioned so I actually have three now because my book the original the prescription is in the dirt was repurposed and it was actually picked up by uh, a popular um, publishing company and it gave me the opportunity to enhance it and to add um, self-reflective questions and I'm so excited about that because not only do you now read about my life and the things that I've gone through, but it gives you the opportunity to examine yourself and ask yourself some questions like similar Mm -hmm. to what we've talked about here today and just process and start your own healing journey. So I'm very excited about that. And that book can be found literally anywhere books are sold. And so if you have a neighboring bookstore and they don't have it, you can order it, tell them go on on there (laughs) and order the book because it's with one of the biggest publishing companies and distribution companies as well. So I'm very excited about that. Um, but I also have a couple more and those, um, all of my books can also be found on Amazon. Um, as far as just staying in touch with me, I have a website and it is Fatima C 
C.com. That's Fatima C. The C is for my middle initial. And no, I will not tell you what it stands for. <laughs> I don't even know if my husband knows what it stands for. <laughs> Lips are sealed. You know, so he won't know that until he's reading the wheel and he's like, ah, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's FatimaC.com. And you can find everything. You can buy my book there, you can find free resources there. Um, some blog information, um, just my view on life on there. Um, But you can also find me on Instagram. That seems to be where everybody hangs out at. So I'm on Instagram also, um, Fatima, what is it? Fatima Oliver, 1975. And so uh, I'm there, but just look me up. You'll find me. And also (laughs) on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you so much, Fatima. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. 